Wow, Rock Springs, us being able to sing together. I love that. love it so much. And I hope even if you weren't in this room with us, that in your room you were praising God because He is ever-present, all-powerful. He knows exactly what we need. And so I'm really glad about that. You'll see why in this message. I'm going to chase so many rabbits, we may be here till 2. Okay? But y'all don't have any place to go. It's snowing. Okay. I'm just joking. Uh, I do have so many things that I want to say, and they have to do with something that is very, very important to me, and that is the local church. I believe the local church, if it is following Jesus uh, diligently, it can stay in a, in a spirit of revival all the time. Uh, I think it needs to stay healthy. But the local church, in my opinion, and based on, I base my opinion on what these documents, this, this incredible book has to say, and I believe it is the hope of the world. I believe that it is the hands and feet of Jesus, and we need to be diligent about how we do it. So about this time every year, I uh, bring a message. This past year, I actually went to the preschool room and used all the uh, cardboard bricks. If any of you were with us a year ago, that was my video message to you about how we build the church, that we are um, not another brick in the wall, but we are actually living stones. We'll, we'll get to that. How you like that Pink Floyd reference right at the beginning of the message? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I would also say, based on having lived with this message over the last three or four weeks, because whenever you take a trip to Texas, there's a lot of windshield time, and I was trying to figure out, what am I going to say on January the 7th? It's gonna be, how do you limit what you can say? There's an old story that the preachers tell, and that is uh, the new preacher came into town, and the congregation loved him and all that, and he preached this message, you know, a particular message, and everybody's like, that was great. And that was back whenever the preacher would stand at the door and shake hands and all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't do that, not because I don't love you, but it's like I, I haven't got it in me anymore. Y'all have to come talk to me. I'm very available, but I just can't stand it at the door. Anyway, the preacher was doing all that. And the next Sunday rolled around, he preached the exact same message. And nobody, you know, said anything because it's church and it feels awkward and you don't want to call the preacher on, on anything and stuff. But he preached the exact same message. People like, few less amens this time than uh, did the stand at the door kind of thing. And then came back the third week and he preached the exact same message. And somebody had the boldness after the third or fourth week. I don't remember how the story goes. After the third or fourth week, someone had the boldness that when he was standing at the door, he's like, preacher, we, we really kind of like you. Which I love that really kind of, I don't know what that means. But um, really kind of like you, but... He preached the same message for like four Sundays in a row. He says, we'd like to hear a new message. He said, okay, when y'all start doing this one, I'll go to the next one. (laughs) Okay. I just tell you that if you've been around me long enough, you know that I've brought this kind of message, teaching, uh, talk, whatever you like to categorize this as. I brought this before because it's kind of like this is the state of our church. And sometimes I go down the numbers uh, side of things, and I will say the numbers of our attendance and our ability to engage with people online has stayed fairly consistent, actually grown a little bit this past year, and we're very grateful for that. And I can't say enough uh, about how generous you've been. Our weekly offerings have stayed generally the same, maybe an incremental increase from week to week, but boy, whenever y'all stepped up to do that matching gift, and we wound up with $46,000 that we we're able to, which I don't know, you can't see it online. Maybe we'll do a video tour of it soon. But those of you who weren't blinded by the snow, 
I don't know if you saw, but our place looks like we have no more blind eyes in the building, and it looks inviting, and I'm grateful for that. We're extending flooring. Uh, kids are getting, uh, oh, we're going to have to do a video tour on that. There's stuff happening down in the, the kids' in, a, area. Just telling you, I could go down all that. What I want to do is we've got to triangulate where we are. That's why I called it GPS, God's positioning system, that we have to keep in, in mind. I'm going to say stuff that you've heard before, and I will move on from preaching it once you start doing this one, okay? <laughs> Which you already are. Uh, let me jump into it. I have uh, have people tell me without being asked, uh, hey, I really like Rock Springs. And then there are times over the years, I'm like, do you like Rock Springs? And I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm just kind of trying to do a survey of the way people perceive of what Rock Springs is and who it is. And over the years, I've heard people say to me, uh, yeah, yeah, I really do like Rock Springs because it's friendly. Okay, that's cool. I think churches ought to be friendly. Oddly enough, I've been around church for more than, well, how old am I? I was literally born in the church nursery. My mom's not here to argue with me on that. I told her to stay home because it's, it's kind of bad out there. But she's probably arguing with me right now. Um, not all churches are friendly. And that's an important, simple, very simple thing, but it's important. So I'm glad that people find Rock Springs friendly. That's cool. And if you don't find it friendly, you come talk to me because... Uh, I've got some pull around here, and I'll straighten that out, okay? <laughs> I've heard, had people say, I like Rock Springs because we have an online campus. That was something we were thrust into back in March of 20. And um, it's been quite uh, a thing to learn, and we feel like it's worthwhile. We're going to keep building into it because of the way the world is changing. I've had people say, love Rock Springs because my kids love it. I've actually had people say, I love Rock Springs. Used to didn't have a... Um, uh, church habit, <laughs> but my kids love Rock Spring, and so I'm literally laying there in bed thinking I can get some extra sleep, and I open my eyes, and my seven-year-old standing is like, get up, we've got to go to church. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, another thing I've heard people say, like Rock Spring, because it's real. By that, they mean it is messy. It is. It's just messy. If you are expecting Rock Springs to ever become not messy, you're probably going to be disappointed. Because <laughs> as soon as we do get something figured out and we want to do it well, we're going to try and go to another level of saying, but can we reach out, can we improve? And every time you try to improve something, it's messy. Life is messy. God is good. We stick with it. Um, I love that people say, well, it seems like you're willing to try fresh stuff. And I will tell you, uh, I've got notes, y'all, but I'm just really, what I want to do today is I'm trying to show you my heart uh, about where we're at with all this. The reason we try fresh stuff is not to be like the latest and greatest of what's going on in church world. Because I do keep my finger on the pulse of church world. And some of it's good, some of it's not so good. But if we do things that seem similar to other churches you have been to or are aware of, we're not trying to copy anybody. We've never gone down that road. Sometimes we do the same kinds of things because those kinds of things are effective at doing what we're trying to do. And I will also say, since I don't have notes, I can say what I want. One of the things that has been true from day one, and that day one for me and Leanne and our family and what used to be uh, Bethel Baptist Church and is now Rock Springs, um, we do not play church. I gave up on religion a long time ago. 
religion without it being you are focused solely on Jesus Christ and you are trying your best to figure out how to you know, surrender to him. Religion messes people up. But a relationship with Jesus straightens you out like you have never seen. And it's going to be a wild ride and it's going to be fun sometimes and it's going to be agonizingly difficult at others. I'm just telling you that up front. So if you've been walking into 24 as though, you know what, I'm going to try and do this God thing. Okay, cool. Stick around, ask questions. The gospel of Jesus Christ can withstand your questions. Some of them may not always give you a satisfactory answer, but there is an answer. So we don't play church. We are trying to be the church. That's going to be huge for what I'm about to say. But some other people say, you know what? I love it that no matter if I was Lutheran or Episcopal or Catholic or Mormon or nothing or whatever, I was just, you know, the ultimate Baptist or Methodist. It doesn't matter. Uh, it seems like Rock Springs is available and open-armed to under-church, over-church, re-church, never going to catch me in church people. Amen. And if you feel that, then we're doing our job right. Because where you came from or where you are coming from is not nearly as important as where you are going. And I don't mean we're trying to get you to say a prayer, although I do believe a prayer of commitment to Jesus is vital for you to take the step in that direction. I'm not trying to get you to pray a prayer. I was a revivalist one time. I know how to play on your emotions. I can get you to come to an altar call. That is not my ambition. My ambition is for you to know Jesus, and the only way you know him is to start following him, seeing what he did, asking what he had, you know, listen to what he had to say, and then ask questions about it, because even the people who were literally there in the 3D were going, after two, two and a half, three years, they were going, I still don't get it. And then they saw him die. He was put into a tomb. He came back to life, and it changed everything in human history. I don't know how to get any more basic than that. For those of you who came for the message and you can't take any more, you are now free to slip off into a nap. I'll wake you up at the end. Okay. The reason that we go back over these things is because, don't forget why we do this, and that is we exist in order to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Those are some generalized words. It feels very nothing. What we are trying to do is we found Christ... We know that he is the risen Savior. It is the best news the world has ever heard. So we've turned around and said, we're like a bunch of hungry beggars who found food, and now we're trying to find other hungry beggars to say, the food is over here. Okay? So we are trying our best not to force people, but to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we do all the time. Everything we do passes through that lens is what we're doing. Because there are a lot of good things you can do in your life. But do the things we do corporately as a group of people, are we leading people to their next best step in following Jesus Christ? You go, but what if I arrive? You will never arrive. Again, we as a church, in the things we try to do to get the hungry beggars like us to come to the food, we're going to swing for the fences. To use the sports metaphor, which is weird because I think the most sports-like thing, I have had athletes foot once or twice. That's about as athletic as I ever get, okay? But I'm saying, I believe that if we're talking about the most important message that has ever been told, we ought to swing for the fences. Because sometimes it's going to be a home run and sometimes it's not. But we're going to keep swinging for the fences. 
That's the same way in your own personal walk with Jesus Christ. There are going to be some years that go really, really well, and some years you go, I think I'm just treading water. It's okay, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Everybody with me so far? Okay, all right. In other words, what this message is, it's going back and answering the question, why do we do this? Who are we? Where are we headed? Are we there yet? Uh, What is church? Who is church for? Because a lot of people are convinced that church is for church. Some of you still think that, online and in person. It's just a fact. A lot of people have not moved. It's like, yep, it happens at 10 o'clock. I go down there, I sit through it, they do it to me, and then I'm done for the week. No, no, no. The reality is, is that we gather. We are the church. This just happens to be where we hang out because it's warm and it's dry. But if it should burn down tomorrow, the church, known as Rock Springs, will still exist because the church is us. I'm glad we've made this place nicer. It makes it better for us to do good work, to help people in our community, and to to be a, a launch pad for greater ministry. But this building that we poured our money into, this is not the church. It's a steel building that's been dressed up. I think it looks pretty cool, huh? Yeah. What if we had to meet in a gymnasium that wasn't all dressed up? What if it was like back in the early days whenever we met in a Quonset hut and we had no heat? Yep. Yep. We had a concrete floor, no insulation. We were in January. Turn those kerosene heaters on to try and stand by and stay. And then all of a sudden we realized it's raining in here. Because the steel had started to condensate and it rained in the middle of winter in our church building. You with me? These are things I need you to feel with me. We follow Jesus. You want to know what we do? That's what we do. We follow Jesus. You say, but don't you like being a pastor? I do like being a pastor most of the time. And I don't say that as some sort of confession, trying to lead people out of their life without Jesus into their life with Jesus and trying to grow up to full maturity is exhausting. Exhausting. The Bible talks about that my responsibility in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, my responsibility to you is to lead you to be the best Christ follower you can be. My job is to make you the best church you can possibly be. This is not my church. It's Jesus' church. He bought and paid for you and me. But my job and the one I will have to answer for is how well did I help you do that? In other letters that have to do with that same kind of thing, Paul said, you know what, Timothy, you're a young guy, but you have a lot of grown-up responsibility and you have to help people. So you're going to have to treat the younger women like they're your sisters and the, the younger men like they're your brothers and then the older men like fathers and older women like mothers. There's just really no mothers in most churches because there are no older women, right? That was a great place for the women to go, amen. It's kind of weird, though, being at 60-whatever-I-am, because I don't feel that old inside. But it's kind of like I'm, I'm an older brother now. And I'm going to say things here pretty quickly. It's like some of it stings, because some of it we're not getting quite right. We're close, but we're not quite right. Not like we're eating disobedience, just not quite right. But we're doing a lot of things really cool. I started off with what God's blessed is because we have been faithful. You and me have been faithful to some of these things God has called us to. But at the core of it, this is not a job for me. It's a calling. 
Because I'm just telling you, I am old enough and I have read enough and I know after talking to a few people, I could do other work and work less and get paid more. And that's not a complaint that I don't, I'm just saying, I don't do what I do because I, I need a job. It's because you are my brother and you are my sister. You are like my dad or you're like my mom. What we're doing here matters. I hope y'all are here in my heart. Anyway, I think literally following Jesus, can you imagine what that must have been like? Peter and Andrew. I, just, I, I say it too much, but it's like, <laughs> got the camp with Jesus. That's got to be really cool. What I want you to see for that, and, and we'll get to where you can fill in the notes, because it, it's, it's not complicated to fill in the notes today. It's interesting that Jesus called those 12 guys who were basically second string. They were not rabbinical students. They weren't top of the class. They were second string, JV, and he changed the world. They did, because they did what he said. But one of the things I think that confused them, and it confuses me to a degree even to this day, because I grew up in a very religious household. Why would a man who was obviously on a mission from God, talking about Jesus, was obvious from the way he spoke, the way he walked, the way he talked, all this stuff. How could a man who was obviously on a mission from God spend so much time with ungodly people? Because you go and read the accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus didn't hang out at church. He hung out with the people who didn't go to church. Who couldn't go to church because in their particular situation you had to be in a certain status before you could actually go to church. He hung out with clearly unrighteous, ungodly, messed up people. Why? Why, why is that? And here's the other part, and this is where it kind of convicts me uh, still to this day. Why is it that that was happening, and then at the same time, why is it that the certifiably holy, righteous, seemingly together people despised the most holy guy in the room? Because most of the time, Jesus was not upset with people except people who had a lot of church. Okay, let's rise for the benediction. Just let that song sink in. I find that that question in and of itself drives me. Because whenever Jesus was doing all of that, he said to those who would follow him, he said, I need you to do what I do. I need you to be my hands and feet. I need you to go and do what I'm doing for with you. I need you when I'm gone. In other words, that when I'm gone, when you gather together as a bunch of Christ followers, be as close as anyone will ever get to being like literally with Jesus. That if people hang out with you, I want you to behave in such a way that people actually feel like they're hanging out with me. Ooh. Ooh. That's his instruction to the church. That's not a suggestion. That's what he said. And I probably don't need to tell anybody in the room or in your particular room, wherever you are, is that generally speaking, unholy, unrighteous, untogether, ungodly people do not like the local church. 
You don't have to see all the national surveys to know that. I do my own personal surveys. Invite people to church. Like, nope, I don't do that anymore. Mm-mm, why don't you do that? It's like, been through the church wars. Not going to do that again. <laughs> you know, to be fair, I love it when people are like, well, no, I don't go to church because they're just full of hypocrites. To which I'm going, do you shop at Walmart? Because that's full of hypocrites too. Yeah, amen. But they say, you know, I don't want to come, don't want to be a part of that. So the question is, if unholy, unrighteous, ungodly people love being with Jesus, then why aren't unholy, unrighteous, ungodly people comfortable with being around those church people? I guess the way I'd say it, why was Jesus so magnetic? I think it was because of his heart. I think it was because of his his purpose, because, I mean, he stated his purpose, but just the core of who he was was attractive because he said without blinking an eye, he said, I came to seek and save lost people. That's why I'm here. And the funny thing is, the lost people were not offended that he called them lost people. (laughs) And I think church is repellent because we forget that and we drift from it. Because I've been around church long enough to know that we can get so comfortable with knowing what songs we're going to sing, when to hold up your hands, how to pray the public prayer, to give the right amount, to dress the appropriate way, cover up your ink, whatever the thing is, you know, because everybody's got their little thing, they got to, like, your hair's too long, your hair's too short, you're wearing your shirt, you know, that's not the right kind of shirt, or, you you know, you're a woman, you should wear a dress, and it, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. We get so comfortable in that that we forget that Jesus didn't do any of that. Because Jesus clearly showed who God was. He said, that's why I came. I want want you to know who God is. I want you to see him as clearly as you possibly can. You say, how do you know that? There's this one passage. If Jesus ever says things in threes, you know, one, two, three, boom, boom, boom. You know he's trying to drive home a point. And in Luke Chapter 15, I'm not referring to it on the screen or anything like that. In Luke 15, he tells a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. The point of it being is that 100 sheep, one of them got lost. Leave the 99, go find the one. One of 10 coins. It wasn't like a collection. It's, this is her dowry. The woman needed this money. It was, it, was, it was her inheritance, so to speak. She lost one of them, and it panicked her, and she moved all the furniture to find that coin, and she even called her friends to come help her find it. Okay, this, this is just weird. The very first reference, it's a shepherd, 100 sheep. Okay, God's playing the part of the shepherd, which is weird because shepherds were way down on the list. Next story, the part typically played by God is being played by a woman. Jesus is throwing everybody off their game. And then he says, you know, there's this lost son. And this lost son basically said to his dad, you're dead to me. I need my money. Took the money. He ran. He did what he wanted to do. The father did not chase him. But we know from the story that Jesus told that that father watched the horizon every day to see that his son may come home. And he did. Came home with a prepared speech. Couldn't even get through his speech. Because the father said, My son who was dead is now alive, and he's come home. Kill the fatted calf. We're about to barbecue. And this kid needs some new clothes, new shoes. Put a ring on his hand. He's got authority. Boom! 
One, two, three. The people listening to all those stories, and I hope people listening to those stories online and in person right now, it's the same story today. You are that lost sheep. You are that lost coin. You are that lost son. And yet Jesus put a tag on that one of the lost son because there was one son who didn't go away. And he did all the right things and kept his nose clean. And he got his tail feathers over the dash, is what my grandmother would say. And said to his father, well, I did all the right things. I was at church. I gave. I did all the right. He didn't say I was at church, but you get, I'm going back and forth between application and teaching. He said, I did all the right things, but you didn't throw a party for me. What's up with that? And the father didn't even blink. He said, I do love you. And you did do the right thing. But your brother was dead. And now he is alive. That is why we will celebrate. Jesus was trying to make a point to the people who were standing on the outside of that crowd. And that would be the people who thought, I've been at home. I've done all the right things. Why aren't you honoring me? Because church, Jesus' mission was to seek and save lost people. And we want to do everything short of sin to do the same thing. And we want to grow them up to full spiritual maturity because we are in the business. Our calling is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we do. That's what I want to do as long as I am in this leadership position. I want us all to see that. Y'all getting this? I highly recommend that you... Consider what I'm saying. Read the Gospel of Luke, particularly chapter 15, but all of it. And recalibrate your heart and soul. Stop playing church. Church isn't something you go to. Church is something you are. Next few minutes, I'm going to be speaking about you and me. I'm going to be speaking about us, about we. I'm going to be speaking about God and Him. And that is our triangulation system, the GPS. Not the global positioning system, but the God's positioning system. Okay? If that floats your boat, then boy, we're on a roll right now. And the title of this message is what I want you to write on your bathroom mirror, just like I have written on mine. And that is, here we go. Okay? Now, the statement in and of itself is going to be the final bit. I'm not giving anything away. I'm just saying everything I say will revolve around those three triangulation points. Here and we and go. Y'all ready? What I'm about to do is talk about things in three different directions. We're going to be reaching up. We're going to be reaching out. We're going to be reaching in. It's another way of saying what I always say, and that is God has called us to live a life of worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. We are called to know God, to know his family. We're called to grow up in full spiritual maturity. We're called to go and be his hands and feet in the world. And we are supposed to be the ones who take the good news to, to people who haven't heard it. Uh, I'm just telling you the same thing over and over again for about an hour. Okay, cool. What I'm dealing with is uh, simple to understand. It, it, it tackles some very deep and complex truth. I'm along the way going to be talking about some practical dreams and goals that I have for us. Uh, and it's certainly not my goals. Just, you know, I just sit around and think up dreams and goals. It's praying, talking, uh, staff, we care about you so much. We love you. We're like, where is God leading us? Well, let's, yeah, okay. So, first of all, with your GPS for 
2024 that you can recalibrate your life. You need to understand, and you can say it from your point of view, from my point of view, you belong here. There's the word, here. Here matters. I've kind of already talked about it. Here is the, the body of Christ, us, who we are. Not here, as in 601 North Dolores Road, Cortez, Colorado, 81321. I'm saying you belong here with this ragged band of believers. Now you go on to the next part, and that is the reason you belong here is because God has done something, and that is God has adopted you into his family. And you can say it first person. God has adopted me into his family. In fact, that's the only way you can get into God's family. It's to be... Born again, as Jesus said, but what that meant and, and what uh, Paul explained is that's an adoption. You didn't used to be his, now you are his. It's kind of what I was referring to a while ago. Church, people like you and me, and they come in all shapes and sizes, nationalities around the globe. The local church is not an expression of trying to help make bad people good. It is literally right here before your eyes. It happens around here. You see dead people coming alive with a brand new life. I, I, we struggle for words because there are no words. There's nothing else like this. There's not anything else like this in the whole world. If it's working right in a local church, doesn't matter. Rock Springs has its own personality. And if you have to move, I'll help you find another church that's got its own personality but still does what we're trying to do. I'm just telling you, you belong in that kind of environment because God has adopted me, has adopted you into his family. And I'm telling you this truth so that you will tell you the truth. Because I know that a lot of you mean well, but it's like, I love your church. And it's like, not my church. It doesn't belong to me. I can say this exact same thing. I belong here. I've been adopted into the family of God. I have a part that I'm playing. You have a part that you need to be playing so that you can say we are the church. It's God's decision that he made it possible for you to be adopted into his forever family. And that's what grants you the right to belong. You don't belong simply because of you. You belong because you were made by God and you were made for God. That's your right. And I will also tell you something else that I found over the years that until you come to terms with those two things, life's never going to make sense. You, if you are you know, outside the faith, if you haven't gotten there yet, I'm just telling you, let me give you the, the, I'm giving you the cliffs notes right now. It's not about you. Your life is not about you. You go, but i got to find myself. That sounds like I'm going to peel away the layers like an onion. i just got to go deeper and find myself. You know what you find at the center of an onion? More onion. <laughs> Eventually you get to allow the last one. It's like, ain't nothing there. Nope, it's not about you. Never has been. You go, but I need to find myself. You know how you find yourself? By surrendering yourself to Jesus. And all of a sudden you go... This makes absolutely no sense. When I stop thinking about myself, then all of a sudden I find myself. What? I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. And if, even if you're a Christ follower, if you're not growing like you should be, then stop thinking about you. 
You say, are you putting me down? Not in any way. You say, I'm not falling. Okay, here's what Paul said. And man, did he have a, 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 a finger on the pulse of all this. He wrote to his friends in Ephesus. He says, long before God laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. You're not, you're not an accident. No matter what your parents may have said. I'm just saying, God had you in mind. He had settled on us. All of those who say yes to God. He had settled on us, what? As the focus of his love. Of all the things the God of the universe could be focusing on. He focused on you. He focused on me. Good relationship and where it's at. My gosh, I don't know about time. Anyway, and what was his point with his love? In order to, that love would help to make us whole. You want your life to feel whole and you want your life to feel set apart. To be made whole and holy by his love. You stick with his love. You keep focusing on him and you, your life will grow. And this is what I love. He said long ago, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family. And how would he do that? Through Jesus Christ. And what he meant there, and you can find it in context, was because Jesus came, lived, died, rose again. There it is. You can't earn it. You cannot barter for it because God has everything he needs. He doesn't. Yeah. You can't earn it. But the odd thing is, is that if you come to him, he said, I will give you all of this as a gift. If you have to earn it, it's not a gift. And some of you are trying to earn it. It is a gift of mercy because mercy, Lord, have mercy. None of us deserve this gift I'm talking about. We deserve something else and that's what mercy is. Mercy is not getting the punishment that you did deserve. But it's also a gift of grace. Meaning, you didn't have it but you desperately need it and there's no way for you to get it and he gives it to you. So it's both a gift of mercy and it's a gift of Grace. That's why we say it in cute, hopefully memorable ways. That's what's so big about saying, my sin is forgiven, I have a purpose for living, and I have an everlasting home in heaven. Wow! Oh, wow! And like I said, it's not about you. You were made by God, you were made for God. Until you understand that, your life's not going to make sense. But I will tell you this, there's a song Leanne and I used to sing. It's been a long time more of Jesus and less of me. By his power I will be like a flower in the spring. There's brand new life in everything. That's taken from John 13, 33, whenever John the Baptist said, I must decrease, but he must increase. I'm just telling you, you spend less time thinking about you, more time thinking about Jesus. The funny thing is, you start arriving into that full and meaningful life that you wish you had. And here's another thing. I put it in my notes. The funny thing is, the more blessed your life becomes, the less you will actually think about your life. <laughs> Could I get an amen from at least seven people? Mm, mm, mm. Listen, all of this is very wonderful. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I've, I've, I've already made just a simple case, and it's so true. But so is this. Listen to me. A lot of you have already fallen asleep. Wake back up. Okay. This gift of being adopted and belonging in the family of Christ comes with responsibility. I've told you this before. I'm probably more spoiled than any of you because I'm an only child and was an only grandchild for a long time. 
when you're born into a family, there, there needs to be family there to take care of you because, you know, brand new, either in this case, physically or spiritually, you can't fend for yourself, but we'll be there to help you. But there's a time when you're going to have to put on your big boy pants. <laughs> Nobody else going to wipe your bottom. Okay? Did I just say that in church? Does that go out? That's forever on the internet. <laughs> I'm... Oh, I'm going to hear about that one over lunch. Lance goes like, please don't ever do that again. Okay. The gift of belonging is precious and is wonderful, but it comes with responsibility because I am here to tell you, and I hope this stings in the appropriate ways to wherever you are. You are not saved from your sin and given purpose and so on and so forth. You are not saved to sit and soak and spoil and stink. I try to say it as kindly as I can, but if we are family, there's times when the older brother needs to grab you and give you a noogie. He's like, listen to what I'm saying. Get up off of your blessed assurance and get in the game. You say, but I don't have my... Mm. You bring what you have to God, and then you let him multiply it. But do not take no for an answer in 24 about getting involved at Rock Springs. Not for the sake of Rock Springs. You do it for the sake of Jesus and for the people who do not know him yet. And if that's an hour that you can give every month, or if that's you serve in ways we don't even know about outside of Sundays, I'm just saying you are not safe to sit and soak and spoil and stink. You are a part of God's forever family, and God's forever family works. We work, and we serve. That's why the Bible says God saved us to do good works, to do the right thing. It is not fire insurance to know Jesus. Will knowing Jesus lead you to life instead of an eternity in hell? Absolutely. But I have no interest in helping people pray a prayer so that they can carry around that prayer as fire insurance. Because one of these days, the other part that you haven't read says that you're going to give an account for your life and you will not have a lot to show for it if you don't grow. So you belong here. And belonging here means you come with responsibility attached. You've been adopted into this family. Now let's live like it. Ephesians, he went on to say, God saved you by his grace. Already talked about that. When you believed... Just believe. Just believe that Jesus did live, die, and come back to life. That's what he's talking about. When you believe that he is who he says he is and do what he says he will do. When God, I mean, God says, if you will believe that, he will save you by his grace. And the reason he re- you know, writes this down, he says, that's so that you can't take credit for it because that is a gift from God. It's not about your prayer. It's not about your religiosity or lack of it. He says that is so you won't take credit for it because the credit goes to him. Because he says, listen, watch what it says. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Why? Can you imagine heaven if we got to heaven and it was based on how many good things we did? That would be so annoying to walk down streets of gold, supposedly trying to find Jesus. Like, let me tell you about how good I was. Let me tell you about how much I gave. Let me tell you how many Sunday school banners I've got. I just, oh, heavenly days. By the way, do you know how you'll know where, who the Baptists are when you get to heaven? They're the ones who will arrive with a covered dish. 
He said, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. We are being worked on by God into a beautiful, beautiful thing. God's masterpiece, his work of art, his poem is what that word actually means. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we, so that we, so that we, there's the purpose, so that we can do the good works that he planned for us a long, long time ago. Yay, got to go on so fast. Good works, finish strong, strong finish. A $20,000 gift, a matching gift, we exceeded it, $46,000, stucco and improvements. Did you know that we got an opportunity, the three of us on staff, we got a chance to go and deliver $2,300 to Heart to Heart. It was awesome. That was on your behalf. There's a, there's a note, I've run out of time. I would read, but, but uh, the, she's going to come and visit with us. Her name is Kathleen Conti. She's going to be speaking to us on the 28th to tell us a little bit more about Heart to Heart. It's awesome. She's going to be launching the baby bottle campaign that helps support Heart to Heart. I want us to participate in that. You say, but we just gave them $2,300. Let's give them some more. Let's give them some more. Why? Not just to protect the unborn. That is, that is what Scripture tells us. To. We are there to help them love hurting, searching people. Good Sam. We haven't had the opportunity to sit down with them yet, but we want to take $2,300 to them. Why? Because about $55 to $60 is what it takes to feed a family of four for just a few days. We want to help with that because sometimes there are times when you just don't have enough to eat, not because you've been lazy or because you've been playing the system. It's just like that's the way life goes. Some of you are going, amen, been there. Did you know that we have supported for many years uh, an orphanage that's down near Ensenada, Mexico? Like, no, I didn't know that. My, my bad. We need to turn up the heat on that. I want to see a team of people who care about that sort of thing, helping orphans in places where it matters. And there's this place called Mount Horeb. I want to see us have a team that actually goes down there to check on how things are going in person to see what that community is needing. Not just the orphanage, but the community in which they serve. In March, we've been asked to assist the bridge shelter because we want to restock their resource closets. Because it's snowing out there and there are people who are sleeping outside. Jesus said in Matthew 25, he said, if you've done any of these things, even the least of these, you've done them for me. And you know what? I got to go, go quick. And, and my goodness, I put way too much in here. Um, all these kinds of things that have to do with, uh, you know, uh, uh, planting churches and, and providing hope and, and uh, equipping the next generation and, and uh, uh, helping the poor and aiding the sick. And, and that's what we call peace. I didn't do the acrostic very well. It doesn't matter right now. But we need a team of people who coordinate all that so that we don't let things slip through the crack. And as we formed that team, it drove back to me in my notes all the teams that are serving, whether they're on Sundays or Fridays or whenever that may be. The reason we talked about it so much, and we probably drove you crazy, we're going to do a little bit more this year because we love to do that. Um, all the teams need to hammer out what their mission statement is so that you know what you're doing. And the mission statement allows you, when you get together, to stand and go, are we doing what we said our mission was? And we also need to make it plain enough to where other people can get in on your mission. That's what we're after. It's not we sat around and wanted to do more things. 
We want to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And the reason that is, listen to me, as the world, as we know it, human institutions and all that, as it gets darker, that's when the light shines brighter. The darker the night, the brighter the light. we got to be prepared. I'm not a doomsdayer, but there's just as good a chance for and just as good a chance not that 2024 is going to be as tough or tougher than 2020. The world could go to hell in a handbasket. You go, wow, glad you came to church today because I feel really... Just saying, y'all, so many people these days think that the future of everything that we hold dear lies in economics. What will the Fed do? Who knows? God knows. In the end, it's like your future does not rely on that. It's like, what if my 401k goes to a 201k? <laughs> Bummer. And some of you think that politics, if we can just get the right person in the right office and all that. I've lived long enough. I've seen them all. It's not politics. It's Jesus. Because when the world goes dark, the light of Christ will still be shining. And when everything goes real nasty and it feels like everything's spoiled, whether it's now, 10 years from now, whatever, we're called to be the salt of the earth. And salt keeps things preserved and it makes them taste better. We were caught flat-footed in 2020. We will not be caught flat-footed the next time. Not if you and I as the congregation, the movement, the church actually gets ready. Y'all getting anything out of this? Okay. I want you to see how powerful this is. And uh, I'm just letting you know, Craig, I am not going to be able to read through. To, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen. I had this huge long passage. That, no. Okay. This is where we pick up the next word. We have um, here. Now we have the word we. Because we is greater than me. We is greater than me. Yes, you're adopted into the family of God, but don't forget it's, it's not a, a personal thing. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Some of you say, yeah, I, I, I trust Jesus, but I don't do anything with this church. Then you're being disobedient. But the implications of it is what I wanted you to see more than anything, and that is that God has shaped me for significance. But my significance only takes place in the context of we. It doesn't take place in a vacuum, and it doesn't take place as a solo artist. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, 20, 21, 22, love this. He says, because you have done all these things of trusting God and His grace and mercy have brought you in, you are no longer strangers or outsiders. Just let that percolate for a minute. The God of the universe who once felt so far off and distant from you, if you've trusted Christ, then you are no longer allowed to be a stranger or an outsider. Why? Because like we've said around here so many times, you belong here. That was, that's from Scripture. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian or Christ follower as anyone. Why? Because of you? No. God is building a home. Here's how he's doing it, he goes on to say. He's using us all which is another way of saying we. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here. And he's using us in what he is building. It's a constant thing. It's happening. Now, he says, let me give you background. He used the apostles. You can go back further than that. He used the apostles for the foundation. But now he's using you. 
And this applies to us some 2,000 years later. And he's saying you are fitted in like bricks are fitted in in a fitting and orderly way. He says he's now using you and he's fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all those parts together. So we see it all taking place day after day after day after day after day with men's ministry and women's ministry and youth ministry and children's ministry and worship ministry and tech ministry and peace ministry. He says it's an ongoing thing. And what is he doing? He is building a holy temple for himself. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it a temple in which God is quite at home. I don't have time to go into all the theology of this, but here's the thing. It has to do with, it involves us all, we're all activated, we're all connected, we're all supposed to be participating, but we choose whether we're going to cooperate with the one who's doing the building. You can be ornery and rebellious, and you won't be blessed as much as you will if you let God work you into this beautiful thing. What is the beautiful thing? At one time, God said the one place where heaven will overlap earth is going to be the temple. Actually, before that was the tabernacle. But the tabernacle and the temple. When Jesus came and the, the, the thing that separated God, separated heaven and earth, was that curtain between the real world and the Holy of Holies. When Jesus died, the moment he died, that huge 30-foot tall curtain, six inches thick, ripped from top to bottom. Why? Because you and I are the temple. Amen. You are a walking, talking living, breathing temple of God. You are where, if you are a Christ follower, you are where heaven overlaps earth. Boom! I, I just, it just gets me. God's building a house, his house. How cool is that? And he wants us to be his house. So, the goals that I set out for you in 23 was that we would think and feel and say all these things, but more importantly, that we would do and be what we're supposed to be. God's house with stronger teams, deep, more deeply connected outside these you know, hour and hour and a half gatherings we have on Sunday, that we would risk things in a greater way so that more people could know about this. That's still my goal. But like I said, we're supposed to be salt and light no matter how difficult the days may be. And I just... My hope is that you're saying, Heavenly Father, I want you to use me as a living stone as you build your house. Would you please use me, use us, use we to be your holy house because we is greater than me. I will read these two verses. You can read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 12. I was going to read it to you, but I'm going to read just a couple of verses. Here's how it works in an even more organic way. He said, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part... Every part, dependent on every other part. And the parts we mention and the parts we don't, all alike. The parts we see, the parts we don't. If one part hurts, another part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Because he says, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You want to know this in these days of identity politics? Nah. Your identity comes from Christ. You don't get to decide. Your identity comes from Christ. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this, he says. And only as you accept your part of that body does your part actually mean anything. That's another way of saying it. You want your life to meet, matter? Stop thinking about your life. Man, I really want to read that whole thing. This is really, really good. You read it for yourself. But I will also say this because i got to hurry. got to hurry. 
doing what I'm asking you to do is hard work. And if you're expecting easy, you're never going to be comfortable at Rock Springs. You've got to push past your comfort. You need to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. That is true in every area of my life that I've ever found, and that is how I manage my money. If it has to do with church, student ministry is uncomfortable. Communication channels are uncomfortable. It used to be so much easier. Now it's more difficult. But I will also say this. We had a whole service devoted to this, and it kind of took, but it didn't kind of took. Okay? I'm telling you uh, from 30, well, way, way more experience than that, especially in the area of leading children into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, ministry has never been harder than it is right now. But I will tell you, I had a conversation with those who lead in that area, and, 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 and particularly Adrian said this. She said, it is still exhausting work, but it is extremely rewarding work. And that's from someone who's in the trenches. But I got to thinking, you know what? We've said this before, but if you have kids that are in RSK, if you have grandkids in RSK, parents, grandparents, would you agree that it is hard work raising your kids or your grandkids? It's just hard. It's a tough time. How about this? If you want your kids and your grandkids to succeed in faith, I think it's going to take both Rock Springs efforts of a couple of hours every weekend, if we get the chance every, every week, but it's going to have to involve you too. Which means not only do we want to cooperate to help you when you're at home, and we do, we've talked about that and don't have to go into it right now. I'm saying you as parents and grandparents need to come with this idea that we're going to make adjustments in your methods as parents and your methods as grandparents so that we cooperate when we do our stuff at Rock Springs. Because we cannot, we cannot do this unless it is we because we is greater than me. And even in practical ways, we offered this. It's not just an offer. I'm begging you. The ship is not going down, but it will go down if this doesn't happen. We need the parents and we need the grandparents to sign up for one time per month. You go, oh, I went back there and they said we don't need you. We'll then do it once every two months. I'm just saying, you've got to get involved so that you can see what's happening with your kids and other people's kids. Do not tune me out at this point. And some of you go, wow, I went back there and I did some RSK stuff and those kids scare me. <laughs> no, that's literally what people said. Okay, some of you are not geared toward the scary situation. But could you do snacks? Could you do check-in? Could you do running the kids back and forth from their classrooms so that those who are a little bit more courageous with scary kids could be freed up to do that? Of course you can. I know you can. I know you will. Here, here, this is why. Listen, we all need a higher vision of RSK because if you have any conception that RSK, Rock Springs Kids, is childcare, you are so dead wrong. It is a week-to-week effort to lead kids into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, just like we're trying to do with adults. I need to say this, and I'm running. Can I have an extra 10 minutes? Please, 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 please. Okay. The team that has been built around RSK, they even testify, we love the richness of what's going on between us as adults, that we're trying to tackle this, and we're team tackling it. It's so good. And they testify to that. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of something like that? You say, but I don't want to miss what's in here. I go back to 
but you're in the family, and it's not about you, but it's about those who aren't here yet. There's just so many things, and they're not linear, but i got to say them. There just ought not to be ever a Sunday in which we have to say, and we have had to say this a couple of times, we should never have to put out a sign or say with our lips, I'm sorry, RSK or some part of RSK is not available today. It just ought not happen. There are too many able-bodied adults. We can get the job done. You go, it's so much trouble. (laughs) It was a lot of trouble for me to pull myself up out of bed and get dressed and come down here and give a message because it would have been a whole lot better to stay in my brand new Captain America pajamas. I'm just telling (laughs) you. I don't ever ask you to do anything that I haven't done or am doing myself. But it's not just then. It's on Fridays. Do you know they had 46 people show up for uh, Celebrate Recovery this week? And we had how many kids? We had 15 children. And right now we are doing child care for that portion for anyone who's working their recovery. But what we really want to dream about and what we do dream about is we need to relaunch Celebration Place in the landing because if your kids are getting pre-covery and recovery alongside you, then your family will be more blessed and then you can bless more families. My goodness, I might actually keep y'all to 12. (gasps) Oh, got to go on, but let me say this before I leave. We simply cannot afford to fail at this particular point of our work. Because if you don't know how to connect all the dots, if we do not raise up the next generation of teenagers and children and infants, listen to me, listen to me. The clock is already ticking and Rock Springs is already dead. We're just walking around dead. So here's what I'd like for you to do as I leave that we is greater than me. You say, I just don't have it in me. Do you have it in you when you imagine that the next minivan or SUV that rolls onto our parking lot contains your children or your grandchildren? And they are anticipating that they are going to be blessed and helped. And they walk in the doors And they go to the check-in and someone says, I'm sorry, there's no one here to help. If we do not do this, we're already dead. That's why I say at the beginning of 24, I don't expect the people who are already serving to serve at a greater level, to take up the slack for those who aren't serving. I'm saying let's Push past your fear, push past your fatigue, figure out a way. I'm saying, do you realize that if you and a friend were to commit three hours per month, meaning one Sunday in RSK, to team up, heck, go the extra mile and say, I can do it two weeks. That's six hours out of your month to assist and help the helpers. I promise you will discover rewards both in this life and in the life to come, and you will also experience holy exhaustion. (laughs) I feel it every Monday. So, imagine all that. Here we go. Got to do the, we got here, we got here, uh, we got we, we got go. Okay, 
So it's time to go. It's time to go and tell. It's time to go and tell. I, I put it that way because no matter when you read this, six months down the, the, the pike or six uh, years, it's still time. <laughs> it's time to go. Here we go. We go and tell. Why? Because God's commissioned me. You say that from your point of view. God's commissioned me to communicate this good news. Jesus said it in no uncertain terms. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now I'm commissioning you. And he says, so go, go, go. Actually, the word he used was, as you go, in everything that you do, as you go, make followers of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have told you, and you can be sure that I will be with you always. In other words, we get to do it with Jesus, because you understand this by looking at it backwards. He's going to be with us. We're supposed to teach him, uh, teach others to obey everything we've learned to obey, and we incorporate them by baptizing them so we go and find followers. You go, it would have been fun if he had just left it at halfway. Go and tell. But he said, I need you to tell them the same thing I'm telling you, which is you need to go. It's it's, it's all of that. Jesus said, essentially, one of the things I've taught you is that I showed up in order to restore a relationship between holy God and unholy you. I am here as the bridge between holy God and lost, busted up, disconnected, confused, rebellious people. He says, you want to know what my heart is? That's it. That's what I'm about. And I'm saying 2,000 years down the pike, the implications of that for us, Rock Springs, is so huge. Because it's so easy for us to start focusing on ourselves. What we like. The volume we like. The music we like. The programs we like. We like, oh, I can hardly wait till the next service and the next inspiring message. Or I love that song. You say, is that evil? Is that wrong? Absolutely not. Not. No. But if that's all you do, if that's all you do, You have lost the focus because God said, my focus is on who's not here yet. So who in your world is not here yet? I've got two people that I've been praying for, trying to give them salt and light, come closer to Jesus. Who do you have? They're not here yet. Let me say it to you personally. If you are still far away from God... Online, in person, if you're still far away from God, you're far more important to God than I am. And some of you are going to go, wow, he was really fussy today. (laughs) No, I'm not fussy. You can go back and see this. I've given this message so many times. I give it all, especially at the beginning of the year. This is a this is us message. We're family. We're doing good. Look at how we could do better. If it feels fussy, maybe you ought to pay attention to the tension of where that is. Because in every season, we will have to intentionally make a choice. Will we choose to be a group of people who are focused on the unreached who isn't here yet? Or will we do what a lot of churches do? And that is drift into being ingrown, self-satisfied, and irrelevant to a world that is lost and dying. I'm just saying, over the years, and it's been a lot of years, but let's just count the years have been at Rock Springs, almost 31 years. There are a few people who've drifted that way and wanted to cultivate that kind of attitude, and I fight it with everything I've got. I do not want to be a part of something like that. Don't. i got better things to do. I have zero interest in building something that is comfortable for some Christian subculture. We can just do better.
Jesus always focused on the outsiders and the rebels. And so I'm choosing to make that my focus. And I want to grow them up to full you know, spiritual maturity. And I dare you to join me and make that your focus too. Like, David, wrap it up. I got things I got to do. Brunch. This is a stout message, no doubt. But I don't think it's too much to ask. Because if you stop and think about it, we've all been lost. And if somebody hadn't done what I'm asking us to do, then you would not be here. God allowed us back in. Somebody rejoiced when we showed up. I think we ought to do anything short of sin to try and reach people. I want us to be so different because I dream, I dream of us having the same impact that Jesus did at a time when it is so difficult. Jesus said it this way in Mark 16, 15. He said, go everywhere in the world, tell the good news to everyone. Here's some ideas, goals. I think it'd be cool sometime this summer because I don't like doing these kinds of things out on the parking lot when there's six inches of snow. Okay, I think we ought to have a Rock Springs birthday bash and invite our whole community to come be a part of it. And the, the gifts would not be for us. We would be a gift to our community some way. I don't even know what that looks like. If you love throwing a party, maybe we could do it in October and have a Blocktober party. I think we ought to tackle the two most important days in the Christian calendar with greater passion this year than ever before, and that is Easter and Christmas, because they contain so much hope. But here's another one, and then I really will be leaving you with this. I believe this is the year we need to launch a thing that is called Starting Point. It is a, I'm going to have to establish a team to make it happen, but if you love engaging with people who are far from God and listening to their questions and their wonderings and stuff, Starting Point starts there. Who is God? Can you even know him? What's this whole thing with the Bible? Just very basic. It's a very different approach than anything we've ever done before. But let me tell you, I know from experience in other churches, it will have a deep impact on our small groups. It will have a deep impact on our discipleship and our evangelism. Why? Because it's about people who aren't even here yet. So, say it with me. Here we go. I want you to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. I want you to put it on your bathroom mirror. Here we go. Not, here we go, or here we go. Um, see, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool like the rest of you. Amen. Yeah, just telling you. It's, don't forget, you belong here. We is greater than me, and we got to go and tell. Y'all getting it? Why? Why would I do that? Because he found me. One more passage of scripture. 1 Peter 3.15, through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention and adoration before Christ your master and be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always do it with the utmost courtesy. Mm. Here's the thought. I tell you this all the time. Two questions. What does love require? Answer that question and then ask the next one. What can I do to help? I could have told you so much more, but I'm going to tell you one more thing. I love you, Rock Springs. I love you so much, and I believe that what we're doing here matters, and it matters for all eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And while messages like this make me super uncomfortable, um... I feel so privileged 
to go back to the basics so that we can triangulate what life is really all about. And that is, it's about you and it's not about us. But the beauty of that is you have rescued us and given us a place alongside you. Past forgiven, purpose for living, home in heaven. Lord, I may have messed it all up and people are so confused. I don't know. Help the truth to sink into where it needs to sink into. Help us to understand it. And then help us to know exactly what to do with it. So that when we leave this place today, we will be better because of it. And we will be closer to you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.